0: at Arturo Journal. These guys just walked in off the street. That's a deep cut, Jim. Do you know that song? I, I, I haven't heard it, but I... I wish I was in Peoria. Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to get a hold of it.
0: <laughs> and, uh, our next guest, it's so great to have you on the show, um, with Molly McGowan and Jim Flint owner operator and founder of the Baton show lounge right did I miss anything there Th- that's exactly it It's quite a story 50 years 50 years 50 years in the same place in the same place and yeah. then you just moved your last gig was New uh, two years. weeks ago
1: Oh two but the last show what? at the river North was oh uh, February 24th oh, oh
0: I thought you, okay all right so tell the li- this show I like to think there's a consistent thread to this show it's about inclusion and discovery so tell the listeners what the Baton
1: show lounge is what about it? describe it uh the Patan is a a, a show where i think everybody could be entertained it's all female impersonators and we uh go out of our way to respect women a lot of drag shows don't show the respect for women and we try to make sure that we do uh, and i think that that alters with the clientele that we've got there for I mean Harold Washington, I remember when he came in one night and he said it was the melting pot of Chicago because it had everything in it. So uh <laughs> and that's and that's the way I like it. I mean we see every kind of person that in Chicago there. That's a great thing. How do
0: you thing. vet people when you say you're respecting women as you're going through the, the process of getting people into it and involved with it? How do you make sure that you're getting people in who are, you know, really with that mission?
1: Uh I think the reaction and the comeback you know we've had p- f- four generations of families coming back you know the, years ago when i was young and i was doing the show and i met people and then they would bring their daughter and then they bring their daughter and just recently we had a woman in 99 years old with four members of her, her her family so it's we bring a lot of return trade back when you say doing the show, what, what do you mean when you were doing the show? I was the MC of the show, okay. but uh, I actually did the show when I opened in uh, 1969 to 85 when I got out to run for politics. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute.
0: <laughs> I, wanted, I didn't want to go too far off the Peoria thing, and, and you do have a book, uh, Jim Flint, The Boy from Peoria, co-written by Tracy Bame. Like I said, it's, she's been yes. on the show, now the publisher of the, of the Reader. But talk about your life in Peoria and what brought you to Chicago.
1: Well, Peoria, I grew up in a family with 13 children, public housing the Harrison Homes. And uh, we were a very poor family to a degree. I helped my mother all the time. My mother was a chef at the Pure Marquette. And so I had to go to work. I started peddling papers at 8. 13, I started working at Steak and Shake as a car. And then I was the senior summer band of Peoria. And we happened to come up here and do a big concert in the summer and that was it i i loved chicago so much that weekend i told my mother i'm gonna go to service when i graduate then i'm coming back to chicago i'll never be back to peoria and what was your idea to
0: open the baton
1: well i uh was working at the club chesterfield up on the north side and of course they raided it and closed it and so i went to work at a different bars uh Gay bars, and of course the uh, the owners were very good, but they didn't want to give us a raise. and And finally, I said, "Well, maybe I should start doing this on my own." And so, I uh, I was working as a waiter in the daytime at the Drake Hotel, and then tenning bar all night, saving all the money I could. So, I found this spot over on Clark Street, and I thought I'd go off and do it. I wish I had a nickel for every mistake. You know, you think (laughs) all your friends are going to come, but that was Kid Row back then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And nobody would come. So we sat there about three weeks with about 17 people all in those three weeks. And finally, I got a couple of my friends, and I said, let's uh, do a drag show. And they said, are you crazy down here? And I said, no, let's do it. So I got 16 beers, uh, cases of beer, and and wrapped a curtain around it, laid a plywood over it, and got a spotlight. And uh, we four of us dressed up, and all of a sudden the place was jamming. And so I said, well, we better try it again. Well, what I want to go at with that is um, what was
0: it like politically to start something like that? I mean, what was the climate like? It was right after 68, so, you know, well, Democratic Convention. And, well,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. before uh, the climate, you know, they raided a lot of gay bars. And yeah, I mean, right. I went 16 times myself from all the bars I worked in, and um, thank God I had a good lawyer. They got me out of it, Raleigh Klepek, She got all my records expunged and everything. And the last one I had to go to, I think I went 26 times at 26. And, and California, I went through every judge in the place before we could get an oh God, <laughs> it, it accepted. Was, it wasn't good at those, wow. at those years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so how
0: has the political climate changed uh, over well, the years? Well,
1: I, I, I ran for politics uh, in 85. And uh, before then, I got very involved with a lot of the campaigns. And we had a big raid at Carroll's uh, right before Jane Burns. Took over. I remember Karen. That was the last March. I think I organized 10,000 people. And I said we were never going to put up with police harassment again in this city, in the gay community. And we have not had that since then. Wow. And Jane Byrne said, why are you still going through it? I'm giving you this. And I said, you have to realize that we can do this, because a lot of people are not going to believe that it's not going to happen again, and we want to show you. And, of course, I didn't know that she had 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 policemen a block away on Well Street, because my sister worked for Streets and Sands. She said, Jimmy, you know what you're doing? and oh. uh, But it went on successfully.
0: Wow. Um, wow. Wow. Um, Longest-running club of its kind in America? Is that right? It was,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Baton. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Chicago's kind of a pioneer in this.
1: Uh, well, Chicago is a pioneer. I yeah. mean, Vegas has always been there, but, yeah. you know, their rates are much higher. What about higher. New Orleans? Probably, and yeah, New what, Orleans, yeah. the, it used to, be, uh, years ago, was the Miami Club, uh-huh. which eventually closed, yeah. So how do you pick talent? And I didn't even
0: know until I talked to you this week. (laughs) Chili. Talk about Chili Pepper.
1: Chili, uh, I I, I actually uh, met Chili at the Blue Dahlia. And I didn't know whether I ever wanted to work with her. It took me three or four times this year to finally do that. And she proved out very successful. Top socialite. But most of my talent comes out of a pageant called the Continental Pageant System, which is like Miss America, and I'm franchised in about thirty two cities and in Canada and in and Lyon, France, Carousel, Hawaii and Puerto Rico. So we have the big contests here every Easter for the old old over forty entertainers and the over two hundred and twenty five. And then in September all the winners come here and uh, compete for Miss Continental, and we have the men competing for the Mister on Saturday and Sunday at at the Park West, and on the the other two days are the girls at the Vic Theater. So that's where the talent comes from. I might have
0: interviewed Chili years ago for the for the paper for the Sun Times, but. Um... I know that, talk about her approach and other performers' approaches about bringing integrity into their art, integrity into what they do. I know that's was big. that been big with Chili.
1: It, it, the integrity is a big part of yeah, it. I right. think one of the best I can say right now, a person that worked for me for a, a long time and just uh, did Transparent, Alexandra Billensley, if oh, you yeah. remember, she did the Golden Globe. She worked for me about 12 years. She gave me a lot of credit after winning that. She just closed on Broadway. And then I had another one, Candace Kane, who did Dirty Sexy Money with William Baldwin. And that was another one of my winners. And Scott Allen, who did with Robert Darrell in that, I forget the name of the movie that he did with them. But but that's the integrity, because all these people are now. They just started a scholarship fund at USC under Alexander's name uh, for people that are transgender that's getting into the acting business.
0: So, uh, again, for someone listening who's never been there, like what, do they, what time do you show up? What do you get? Just lay out a night at the baton
1: would you come you, you, we open at 7:30 right now and the show starts promptly at 8:30 I don't believe in anything starting late so we start promptly and the overture comes on and you see all the slides and you start getting excited with the music and and then the MC comes out and make sure that we go through all the birthdays and the divorces and the, and the weddings and and get everybody livened up and and then you see a great, great show, uh, and, and every person is a little bit different. And how many, how many people are in the troop? Eight. Eight, eight mm-hmm. in the troop? Okay. And Angel's in there. He's, uh, Of course, he's a very handsome man, and the women love him, so he's a, a top go-getter.
0: I actually really like that idea of having the birthdays and obituaries and things like that coming in. It feels like it's creating a sense of community in the space. It, it, that's exactly, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. Thanks so much for coming down, Jim Flint. My pleasure. I was parking in front of your new place the other day, <laughs> and there you were. You gave me a nice little tour. It's a former burlesque house, right? It's a former burlesque house. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, so it's really nice. All right, we're going to be back uh, after this on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. I met her in a club down in
1: Lodzow, where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola C-O-L-A, Cola. She walked up to me and she asked me I asked her her in the voice she said
0: Hello. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN with Molly McGown and the legendary Jim Flint. La, 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 the owner you. and founder of uh, the Baton Show Lounge, fifty years. I've got so many questions, but why
1: have you stuck with it so long? What, what what drives you? What's important for you not to give this up? I think the 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 people that come in. the Every day you see somebody new, and it's interesting, and it gives you life. And I think I've been doing it so long that if I stopped doing it, my life would be over. Uh, what's the move been like? Have you gotten... Uh, you
0: know, that is going to be a, a, a great entertainment hub in the next five oh, years. Oh, it is. I great. mean, with the You're Uptown great. coming and Double Door coming there, and yeah. The so
1: neighbors what, have been incredible. Yeah.
0: So yeah. it's worked out. What's the capacity of the
1: showroom? Uh, the showroom sets 195. And the disco's going to do 124. And then the upstairs room probably around 75. The disco?
0: Oh, yeah, yes. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll bring my roller skates. Yeah. Oh a roller skating picture on the front of your book. Was that I, really your thing? Uh, that's yeah. how
1: the baton started.
0: Okay, so now mm. I'm very tempted to create my <laughs> own fun routine.
1: Nobody would skates. come, so I used to roller skate back and forth across the street, and then I would stand in the middle of Clark Street and twirl the baton. Smart. And the traffic would be backed up for three blocks. Hence Sweet.
0: the name baton. Okay. I was a right. drum
1: major in the, in the high school. So. so that's you on the cover of the book. Yeah. Wow, so we should try that
0: for the show. Get people to go out (laughs) on on the street. Um, In seriousness, what um, you you went up and through the whole HIV um, AIDS thing. What did? your business and your presentation do to
1: educate people on that and what was the worst moments of that and how'd you come out of it? HIV was the hardest time for me in Chicago because Uh nobody wanted to do anything about it and so my friend Jerry Williams and I, we would go to San Francisco and we'd go to all the AIDS clinics out there and we'd get brochures and we would bring them back to Chicago and we'd get permission to reprint them and I used to print 25, 35, 40,000 copies of this and because Nobody was educating anybody, especially the young people. And I had so many bars that would not let me put the flyers in the bar. Mm. Isn't that something? And they just refused because they thought it was going to hurt their business. Actually, some of the straight bars I went to were more acceptable to putting the flyers in the bar than the gay bars were and you know i i seen so many people die because of the sports i was very involved in sports too and in gay softball and it came to a point when we go to tournament you wouldn't ask where somebody is because so many people were were dying and it just become uh, such a thing. And then I, I was with a group of fellows that we were sitting at Big Red's in hosted one night. Uh, and we were talking about these people are getting thrown out of their houses. Their families not accept them. What do we do? And uh, we thought about a place for a residence for them. And so we all got together to start talking. I said, listen, guys, this is a lot bigger than four bartenders and a bar owner so we had a big meeting at the baton i invited doctors from uh, from uh, cook county and arlene Alkno and people from dignity and i had about 30 people there and then a month later we had about doubled that and finally uh it got up to about 300 people and all of a sudden it became a reality and that's how chicago started but it was starting from those uh, original meetings wow Wow. But it's seeing a friend of mine uh, that I knew that was sick, and I, I I I kept taking. He kept going to a doctor. The doctor said it wasn't anything. So I called my do- doctor, who is very uh, now he's very big in the AIDS uh, p- prevention uh, at, at Northwestern. And I, I said, Doc, could you see my my friend? He's very sick. He said, well, Jim, just bring him to the do- doctor's lounge, and I'll see him. And he walked in, and he came out in five minutes. He said, Your friend has full blown AIDS. So then, with him dying in that, we did the first Candlelight March. He was the one to organize the first Candlelight March. So that was the hardest period when, of my when life. When was that, the first one? Back in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, yeah. And is this, in, this is in the book?
0: Yeah. Tell the listeners how they can get the book. Probably? How, how people can find the book?
1: It, the book is still being sold on Amazon. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Jim Flint, The Boy from Peoria, by Tracy Bame and Owen Keahan. Keenan. Keenan? Yeah. Keenan. Keenan. Talk about some of the um, celebrities that have been there.
1: I think one of my favorites
0: RuPaul, Madonna.
1: Ruth Paul, Madonna. Madonna, Ruth Paul. Uh, uh, Joan Crawford was one of my favorite. Every Joel time she would come out, she'd want me to take her to the Drake Hotel all the time. And I'd take her to the Drake. Rock Hudson, Rod uh Probably the favorite of all of us was Janet Jackson. Janet. Janet would spend three or four hours with us, sat down on the floor in the dressing room. You would never know she was the star she was. And, of course, uh, you know, the, they, they went over to football. You know, like Gail Sayers, his wife, always came. And, and Gail was one of my favorite, favorite friends. And, and Dennis Rodman was there all oh, the yeah, time. And yeah. and then Jose Cardinal and a few of oh, the Cubs Jose. would come because I'm a big Cub fan. I've been having my seats for 50 years. Have you really? Really? Where do you sit? I sit eight rows off first base. Oh, really? Right behind him. I didn't know sit that. for 53 years. Really? Actually, they honored me two years ago as season ticket holder of the year during the, the Cleveland run. So, Oh, now. How many I, games
0: I do guess. you go to
1: a year? Well, then I was going to about uh, the, the out-of-town games. We were averaging about 70, 80.
0: Wow. <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> uh, That's so many Dallas. Well, now so. you're you're closer to the ballpark. Right, right? I am. Um, we've got a couple minutes. Uh, how many younger people come into the club, I'm talking like 25, 30, and what again, you know, maybe struggling with identity and questions they have in, in what I think, maybe not Chicago so much, but across the country, I don't know, a very divided time. So what questions do they ask and how do they you make this a safe zone?
1: I think a lot of it is, how do I find this? How do I find that? How do I come out to my family? Yeah. What do I do? You know, that sort of thing. That's the biggest question I get. A lot of times in the daytime, I'll get these calls. You know, they want to come out. They don't know how to come. Who can they come and talk to? You know, someone want to be feeling persons don't want to be transgender they some of them are married they don't know how to approach their family they're afraid that'll disrupt her it's got to be very tormented for them i mean i was very lucky i told my mother at 13 so i never had to uh to face that and how'd your mother respond uh my mother responded pretty good she knew something was wrong because i never dealt with kids i always were hanging around older people but uh, my she said never let my dad know so i moved out of home at 14 so so um, a lot of young people come to do. Oh. It. Does the talent does the talent talk to them? I mean, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They'll sit down and talk. Some of them like make tips. You know, yeah. they want to they want to do that. So, <laughs> okay, th- that, that's the <laughs> big thing. See, so, where to get clothes? So. Uh, where to get body augmentation? <laughs> sure. You know, all those kind of questions. And uh, and some of them are very desperate. Mm. Yeah, you even talk to some of them that are really on the verge of suicidal. I think. Oh. Yeah. Chili Pepper's still around. Oh, yeah.
0: she mm-hmm. performing tonight?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. What about Mimi Marks? Mimi's still in town, but not performing with us right now. I, I pray for the day she comes back, but... Yeah, what a great, uh, I was in the old place, I, I I took a little tour. So give us all the details again, the address, the website. We're at 4713 in, in, on North Broadway, right up in the new theater district with Double Door and Riviera and the Uptown and and the Green Mill and In Town Lounge, but uh, we're open five nights a week with shows Wednesday through Sunday. You ever get any rock and roll people from the Riviera oh, yeah. or something? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I do a lot of th- shows. That all, all my big pageants are with with jam at the at yeah. either the uh, Vic or the uh, Park West. So we do get a lot of those, shows Good show. for you. You got to come back. I'd love We're, to. Take some talent with you, too.
0: So okay. We'll try to do it. you two or three people. Yeah. Thank you, Jim Flint, The Boy from Peoria. You can get that book. It's quite a read. It's really, how many? It's a lot of pages. 525. But he talks <laughs> about being like an employee at Steak yeah. and Shake. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Molly McGowan, for oh, uh, it's always hanging my out pleasure. tonight. And uh, thank you, Sammy, for spinning the dials. Uh, we'll see you next week for our baseball show. And. Um,